Hi, welcome to Fed Talks. I'm your host, EJ. No last name. How's everybody doing? I hope the answer is good. Um, so this is the last regular episode of the year. Uh, next week will be a Christmas episode with a Christmas story and uh, Lord Willen and the Creek Don't Rise. The next episode after that will be the best of 20... Best TV of 2022 with a special guest. Uh, and I'm only only uh, uh, hedging my bets slightly because it's not recording until tomorrow. And I don't want a situation like that early blank check episode when they were all like, oh, James Urbaniak's going to be our guest next week to talk about the happening. And six years later, James Urbaniak has still never been on the show. Uh, my special guest is not James Urbaniak. Um. I have not talked really about my my raccoon odyssey uh, on this show, and I'm not going to get to it this week. I don't think because I have I I have I have other items on the agenda, so maybe that'll hold off until it's all the way completed. But uh, long story short, was I had a rac multiple many raccoons in my attic. It turns out, and uh, I had to have them trapped and removed, and the damage repaired, and. Uh, yesterday I had to take a day off from work so they could do the repairs and clean the attic and the the man went into the attic and came down with a garbage bag full of raccoon feces and you know how you look at a bag and you can tell how full it is I was horrified and I could not have been more embarrassed if that had been my own poop in that bag I just felt bad I had brought somebody into this garbage life of mine um so that's been very stressful and extremely expensive and i'm not not super uh i don't i don't really want to get into it right now give me a dang minute um so hey uh how about a check-in before i get to get to uh movie stuff really uh, is that it is it is the holiday season and uh, I always get kind of sad around the holidays and for years I always thought it was kind of like because my, my sister left right before Christmas and then my dad left right before Christmas and uh, I always kind of ascribed it to that and um, uh a few years ago now somebody kind of helped me work through the whole 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 dad thing in a way that made me not get sad about him this time of year and yet I I'm still I'm still a little out of sorts and I think it's because for years I sort of did a lot of Christmas prep like when the spunky bean website was up and running I would do uh the 12 days of Christmas episodes where I'd review a, a Christmas episode every day uh, for 12 days as the title would have it and that was like a big project that kept me watching a lot of Christmas stuff and kept me kind of engaged and even then actual Christmas would come and it'd be like oh yeah I'm alone um, and it's it, it's kind of a it's kind of a bummer and uh, you know I, I have very nice friends and everything but come Christmas time they have they have like loved ones and stuff and uh just this time of year kind of makes me think of that that community episode where Abed kind of has a breakdown because uh, 
uh, it's the when he lets Annie into the imaginatorium, and yeah, this all sounds stupid when you say it out loud. And uh, she finds out kind of like the core of his stress is that he realizes everybody else is eventually going to move on uh, and have more in their life and they'll leave him behind. And I feel that way like 100% of the time. And it's just a little harder to hide at Christmas, if that makes sense. Like, you know, I don't know. I it, it, Gun to my head, if you ask me who my best friend was, I would pick one of three names. And... None of them would call me their best friend. One of them might not even like me. Uh, one of them uh, uh, definitely named a different best friend while I was doing, in the process of doing them a favor. Um, I, I keep debating whether or not I should tell that story, but it's probably not cool to do. Uh, and I don't know. It's just sort of, I don't know. Christmas kind of brings out all this, this, uh, Whatever, I'm not I'm not the first person to get depressed this time of year. But I don't know. I'm I'm talking through it because what else am I gonna do? Uh that's not what this whole episode's about. Uh God forbid. Uh no, I just checked in. I'm sad. I told you why I'm sad. A little bit of a struggle. I'm doing my best. Don't worry about it. We'll be fine. Christmas is coming, the goose is getting fat. Please put a penny in an old, in the old man's hat, you know? Haven't got a penny, something, something. It's fine. Uh, but that's my whole deal. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, also, it's very near the end of the year, and my plan was to get hot in 2022, and it appears I have not achieved that goal. Um, I can try carrying it forward to 2023. Uh, it may potentially just be beyond me. Um, so that's... Look, I'm going to keep giving it my best. That's that's one thing I can promise. And until I get lazy, uh, there's also a chance that'll just happen. Um, so anyway, that's that's the various ways that I have I have failed in 2022. Um, what was the thing I was going to say? I had a I had a Tom Waits follow up from last week's all Tom Waits episode, and I I can't remember. Um, got too many Tom Waits thoughts running through my head. Uh, instead, of, we're going to talk a little about movies uh, today. Uh, a movie I recently saw, and then some some general thoughts because uh, the franchise report has led us to the end of the current Marvel movies. But the uh, the movie I want to want to recommend, and it is it's a Netflix movie that played in theaters briefly. I believe it's available to all. Is Pinocchio, not the Robert Zemeckis one that came out this year. Excuse me. And not the one from the Russian animation studio where Polly Shore is the voice of Pinocchio. This is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. And it is stop motion with uh, uh, the Henson Company doing the, doing the figures. Uh, there seems to be some computer work in there, but not... Uh, I think just with regards to Pinocchio's face, which seems more of a time-saving measure, measure than anything. But there, some stuff looks like maybe it was smoothed out with computers, but I don't know enough about stop motion to say for sure. This thing, and I freely acknowledge it's meant for kids, it's, it's like legitimately great. It's 
a lot of people are saying it's closer to the book, and it is not closer to the book uh, because this Mussolini is a character in this. Mussolini is definitely not in the the original novel. Uh, it was hundreds of years before he was born, um, and it's it's kind of a synthesis of the book and what you remember of the Disney version. Like there's a there's a cricket, and his name is Sebastian J. Cricket in this. Uh, but in the, you know, uh, in the in the book, he never has a name, and Pinocchio kills him the first time they meet. And this guy hangs around for the whole whole book, but it's it does have a little more of the the darkness of the of the book, and uh, a couple things that I think are like really cool is Pinocchio looks bad. Like, it's not Disney Pinocchio where he is basically just looks like a boy except he has, like, screws in his elbows and knees. Pinocchio is rough-hewn from a tree. He never looks like anything but unvarnished wood. And he has he has empty eyes, and there's something very disconcerting about the, the mouth that is this carved slit in wood opens. And... The way he moves, especially when he first gains consciousness, is terrifying. He's like a bug. It's like he doesn't quite know how to use his limbs. And just the way he stands, the first time you see him animated, is is weird. Like he's balancing on his feet, but he's, these are bent very deeply. Uh, and he's like, well, he's almost scuttling like a crab. And he's got this this crazy enthusiasm, which is terrifying to Geppetto because... Uh, Geppetto did not intend to make a living boy. And, uh, you know, this this strange wooden creature could potentially hurt him simply from not knowing what things are. Uh, it's really unsettling. And, and man, it's great. I loved it. Uh, there's a lot of stuff about fascism in there. There's, like, yeah, there's, there's war camp. There's the circus, which you'd remember from the the Disney movie probably and the whale. So it's a couple of the big set pieces uh, and it has this kind of really tragic backstory for Geppetto and the, uh, it's so weird because Pinocchio has, is both about the puppet who wants to be a real boy. And also his nose grows when he lies. And like either one of those is kind of a story on its own. And this incorporates them both in a way that's really satisfying. Oh, and also Pinocchio is technically immortal. And any time he dies, he just has to hang out in the afterlife with this terrifying Sphinx woman. Um, it's There are a lot of crazy choices, and it gets real wild, and Ewan McGregor is incredibly charming as the voice of the cricket. Um, Kate Blanchett, for some reason, is a monkey. <laughs> Yeah, there's a monkey in this, and it's Kate Blanchett doing the Frank Welker noises. It's it's weird, man. So I believe it's on Netflix now for everybody. So I don't know. Check it out. I had a really great time. I had a great time with Pinocchio. I, a middle-aged man, watching this animated movie. Uh, it's great. It's got the EJ seal of approval. Um, one thing... Before I really get into, I do want to talk about uh, uh, Wakanda Forever, 
before I get into Marvel in sort of a macro sense. Uh, I have not, I don't think I've talked about it here, but in Wakanda Forever, uh, Richard Schiff of the West Wing has a, a very small role. He's in like two scenes. Okay, cool. Richard Schiff's great. It's fun to see him. He does not do much. It's his credit that's wild. And if I've talked about this, I apologize. But you have, like, immediately after the movie, you have, like, the main, like the, the cast credits. I have definitely talked about this before. Uh, it's all the, you know, the main characters and the ones carried over from a past movie. Then you get your post-credits scene. Then you get a couple of production credits. And then you get special guest Richard Schiff. And then the rest of the cast list. And I've never seen somebody in a movie billed as a special guest before. Because that makes it sound like they did Wakanda Forever a bunch of times before, and this time Richard Schiff is in it. Or maybe they're recording it, uh, or they filmed it with different actors in that role for different parts of the country. So, uh, you know, if you saw it in Florida, maybe it'd be special guest uh, uh, Lee Turgeson or something. I don't know, but it's weird. I don't know why Richard Schiff earned this bizarre honor. Uh, but it's very funny, and I definitely talked about it before. So sue me. Sorry. I did a bad job. Um, but that leads me into, into talking about... We'll start the franchise report early because it keys up uh, my Marvel wrap-up. Is I watched the uh, Thor Love and Thunder, which is the most recent movie that's available for home viewing now since Wakanda Forever just came out. Uh, I'll just say, I really like Love and Thunder. It got a bad rap from a lot of people because it is silly. It is real silly. Uh, and sometimes it's like one degree jokier than it needs to be. But it's also super fun, and it's a cast of people who are really good at that tone. I mean, yeah, who knew, Lee, who knew uh, Chris Hemsworth was funny? I mean, well, uh, you know, he's been doing that pretty consistently now. But who knew in 2010 he was funny? Uh, I got it's it's kind of fascinating the way it combines two different storylines with very different tones the uh, Jane Foster as Thor and Gore the God Butcher and it does both significantly differently than they played out in the comics but uh, it's also those are both fairly recent like Gore is from 2012 and Jane Foster Thor was 2014 or so which that's maybe the most recent. Uh, the most recent stuff to make it into a uh, to be the basis of a Marvel movie. I guess Winter Soldier was only about nine years old when uh, when that movie came out. So, you know, right in that same range. But they're touching on real recent stuff, which is which is exciting. Uh, the Gore storyline in particular was incredibly dark. And also had Thor from three different points in his life teaming up. <laughs> three three Thors. Um, so it, it's it's very different in the execution. Uh, but in but that was also a an incredibly long story. And this and this one has some really like really like the black and white stuff I thought was really beautiful. Like it really looked good. And the stuff with the different pantheons. Uh, that was that was good and funny. The ridiculous dumpling god, and then uh, uh, horny idiot Zeus, which uh, at the time the Zack Snyder people all complained about because 
they made Zeus look like a joke. And hey, you know who also makes Zeus look like a joke? Actual mythology. All that dude does is turn into animals so he can have sex with human ladies. Um, I got no beef with that. Uh, I do think the end with Thor as a single dad is a very fun setup for a future movie. And uh, also, I obviously love the mid credit scene where Roy Kent from Ted Lasso is Hercules, who is maybe a top five Marvel character for me. I don't know when they get to him because they've, you know, their next four years are kind of set and none of them are projects where... Hercules would necessarily fit, especially to fight Thor. Um, also, I don't know who Hercules is going to be in in the movies, in the sense that his movie Thor has kind of Hercules comic personality. A comic Thor is always a lot more serious and kind of grim, more stoic, uh, uh, whereas Hercules is kind of the fun guy who, you know, give you a big smile and slam a beer have a joke so I I mean maybe they'll maybe Hercules will be more more grim maybe he'll be dumber I don't know I'm excited to see what they do because I love Hercules uh, so also the Guardians of the Galaxy are in this movie and they are my favorites uh, they don't get to do a huge amount they get released pretty quickly but all of them get to say something funny and it is my current belief that in every Marvel movie where Kieran Gillen appears, she is the best performer in the movie. Like her thing where she's going to shoot the goats, just her reaction is so funny. God, she's the MVP. She's the MVP of Endgame, which has everybody in it. Um, so that's when we're caught up with the Marvel movies. So I... Here's where I stand with Marvel now, having watched... However, it's close to 30 movies by now, right? I'm not going to sit here and run the numbers on microphone. Uh, but it's close to 30. And this many movies in, the overall quality level is ridiculously good. I mean, nobody's done a franchise that this big at this point. Uh, James Bond is the only thing that even gets close. And uh, Bond is much more... Uh, uh, many more low points. Uh, honestly, it, it, you know, certain things are less to my taste than others. Uh, I particularly do not particularly do not really enjoy Eternals, but that at least feels like they're trying something, and I can imagine the people who really love it. I almost think that's a superhero movie for people who haven't liked other Marvel movies because uh, like it all seems like uh, uh, there's so many concepts getting thrown at you and uh, there is very little clarity as to what any uh, one character can do or what their powers necessarily are. But I think to people who aren't into, who haven't really bought into Marvel movies, like everything kind of seems that way. And this is kind of a uh, a really aesthetically different way of doing that and I, I yeah I can imagine the people who, who uh, the Marvel movies aren't really for them but yeah, man did they enjoy did they enjoy Eternals I mean honestly there hasn't been one that was straight up bad since you know Hulk in 2008 um, 
and honestly, the next worst one is probably Iron Man 2 right after that. And from there on, there's at least a... And even Iron Man 2 is not terrible. It's got moments. But honestly, with the exception of, of Hulk and Turtles, I enjoyed this rewatch. Like, everything I sat down to watch, that was a that was a good time that week. I, I had a good time. There were a bunch of them I looked forward to. Uh, several kind of moved up in my estimation. Uh, so, you know, you can complain all you want, and I think some of the complaints are in, are kind of in bad faith. Uh, particularly, the new thing is that you you can't tell what universe something is happening in. And it's like, yeah, you can. It's unless they're explicitly going to a different universe, it's all the same one. And really, except for some parts of Loki and the second Doctor Strange movie, it's all been in the same universe uh and you know they very clearly tell you when they're shifting through the multiverse in dr strange there's a special effect to tell you and everything it's not like they put out a movie and then at the end went by the way this one wasn't this was in a different world in the multiverse and this was a different no they haven't done that i don't think they would uh i even think maybe they're uh not going to be hitting the multiverse so hard for a while given what's coming up and how they'll be setting up Kang and such um, and that's just one thing I heard recently that seemed like kind of a bad faith argument but all in all what 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 they're doing remains impressive but uh, I'm also sort of at a point with it where I am looking forward to each thing and especially next year when we get Ant-Man 3 and Guardians 3 since those are my two favorites the other one plus Loki season 2 is among the TV shows so all my favorites are are back next year but it's not like I don't have to incessantly follow all the casting rumors anymore um, I've heard so many different casts for Fantastic Four I think I was in uh, I'm playing the Human Torch in one of them um, you know, I can, it's more like a thing I can, I can, I can devote as much of my brain to it as I do any other movie or series of movies that I enjoy. These just come out more frequently. You know, I'm not picking, I don't need to, I don't need to argue with people who didn't like something. Fine. I don't care. Uh, like I said, I think anybody who at this point is adopted the all Marvel movies are bad is uh, there's some pretty wild swings there there's going to be something you like man uh, even my friend Rachel who does not like nerd stuff uh, she, like, she liked the first Iron Man I mean then they disappointed her for 14 years uh, she didn't really watch that many but if I could get her to watch Ant-Man she'd have a blast um, but I don't need you know there's there's you just hear these ridiculous speculation and some of it's just dumb. Like the big thing was Tom Cruise was going to play Iron Man in, in Dr. Strange, uh, the multiverse of madness. No, he wasn't. There was no chance that was ever going to be true. Why, why would you believe a thing like that? You know, it's, uh, it, it, it's kind of my favorite thing going in movies right now, but it doesn't need to, I think the place where I'm at, my, my anticipation is at a healthy and non-weird level. Which, after watching all of them uh, over a series of 
more than six months. That's pretty good. I'd be sick of most things by then. But the bottom line is they're doing a good job and they're managing to keep me enthused for new things. Um, so, you know, what else is there to say? Great job. These guys are good at making movies. They're good at making TV shows. Uh, you know, not everyone hits the same way for me, but uh, I've... I've had a, a certain minimum level of enjoyment out of even the things I've liked least and the stuff I like best is I've has been tremendous. So applause to you. You're doing a good job. I'm sure they needed my approval. Um, and since this is running into the franchise report and now this is already getting close to my, my time that I try to impose on a non-guest episode, um, I have moved on now from the Marvel movies. I'm still staying in the neighborhood. I'm redoing the, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. So I watched uh, Spider-Man 1. It's just called Spider-Man. It would have been arrogant to call it Spider-Man 1. Um, and guess what? It's great. It holds up like a son of a gun. Um, in most ways. Uh, I love Sam Raimi, so some of his crazy directing choices are just beautiful. Uh, uh, there's like five performances in this movie that should have had Oscars. Like, Willem Dafoe is perfect. Um, and there's Octavia Spencer and Elizabeth Banks both have tiny roles. And it, it's like real early in their careers, and it's kind of amazing. And in both cases, you kind of go, oh, yeah, I can see why they are they are famous because they pop so hard in their three-line appearances. Um, there's a bunch of... There's a bunch of people who I feel like were in everything right around this time, 2002, and now I cannot remember their names and I just sort of look at them and faintly recall them being omnipresent. Uh, a couple of interesting things is this movie is really not funny and that's always kind of Spider-Man's thing is he's he's funny he doesn't really have jokes in this movie and I think it's because Sam Raimi is really a big fan of like 60s early 70s Spider-Man when he really isn't like all Stan Lee characters except for Thor and Doctor Strange uh, make jokes but Spider-Man's not really the standout for that until, uh, you know, late 70s, early 80s, when some other writers have gotten their hands on him, and that's become more of his thing. You know, uh, uh, early Spider-Man leaned a little more on the, you know, the tragic elements, which you see a lot of in this movie. But you still get these moments where it looks like being Spider-Man is super fun. Uh, and some of the some of the stunt work with Spider-Man is amazing. Uh, I like that they really only use uh, C uh, CGI for Spider-Man swinging. Almost everything else is practical uh, because that's how Sam Raimi does it. Uh, the things you, the things that stand out are like a lot of the dialogue is comic booky in a bad way. And not in a way that would have been bothersome in 2002. But there's a lot of, you know, even saying the name Green Goblin is like, ugh. 
it feels weird in your mouth but you know there's there's him flying off screaming i'll get you spider-man and you know it's just got this sort of it feels like dialogue people would make fun of uh and again that's kind of true to the era that that sam sam raimi is is playing with uh and it it stands out now because there have been a hundred comic book movies since then that have done different things but it you know this one it feels a little a little overwrought at times and uh Spider-Man's cool moves notwithstanding this was before they had to make fight scenes look good like anytime Goblin uh, fights him it is always a a single awkward punch uh and it's honestly it's a little newer that uh superhero fiction in any format concerned itself with fights looking good uh but there's there's a real stiffness to Goblin which is you know the practical effect of a person wearing that incredibly cumbersome suit but it kind of jumps out at you especially after having so recently watched Spider-Man No Way Home which has the same people in it uh and there's a little more uh visual flair to the fighting uh but again this is 20 years of hindsight for 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 when it came out and for what it meant at the time it is it is fantastic the emotional beats are so good. Uh, it just nails the character of Peter Parker and the sort of tragedy at his core and also sort of that that uh, teenage goofiness. Like, uh, like the, the, the dumb way that teenagers approach relationships. That's, th- that's in there. Um, also, it's... The thing that really jumps out to me is most movies about teens now, and I don't watch that many movies about teens, so I may be way off, uh, but especially the reboots of Spider-Man have really sort of eliminated the, the, the aspect where he's bullied. Like, you don't really see that portrayed in movies. I mean, the uh, 21 Jump Street is sort of about how one of the things that there's how bullying isn't really a thing anymore, which I cannot believe is true. And this one, kids are cruel to him. Uh, kind of had the same thing watching The Fablemans a few weeks ago, but that was a period piece. But still, like, it is intense bullying. It sucks. You feel bad for Peter. Um, so it's a, it's a little jarring, like, uh, to have Flash Thompson actually wanting to hurt him. Whereas he's been sort of a... A dipshit in the ver- uh, various other other takes on Spider-Man. So that that I don't know that jumped out. That was that was kind of jarring, and it's like yeah, that that kind of was how it went. But I loved it. I'm looking forward to watching the second one this weekend, which I remember as being kind of a high watermark of superhero movies for a long time. Uh, and then over in the the other franchise corner, I wrapped up my my Pierce Brosnan post Bond Pierce Brosnan mini marathon with the Thomas Crown Affair, which is a movie I love. Watching it again, I am reminded that there's like two really amazing heist scenes, and that's what you remember. 
And then in the middle, there's kind of a lot of cruft. And it's not like everybody, and it's good. And the relationship is interesting. But there's two very distinct peaks. But they're so good that they could spend an hour and a half trying to figure each other out in between, which is approximately the amount of time they, no, let's say an hour. Uh, just, you know, spend an hour playing that weird relationship game of cat and mouse to no real resolution and it doesn't matter because the the man that the heist at the end with all the guys dressed like the uh uh who's the serious the manet paintings oh it's so good uh also i have to have to point out that uh uh renee russo and pierce brosnan are the leads and holy smokes you're, it's hard to find two hotter people than that. Guys, here's the thing. 1999 Rene Russo may be one of the, like, the three best-looking people in history. Uh, and I'm only willing to commit to one of the other two. I'm leaving the other one open just in case I think of somebody. But holy smokes. And look, without getting too into it, much more my type in 2022 than in 1999 when I still thought it was the sexiest movie I'd ever seen. I don't need to get more specific than that. You don't need to know. Let's just say, holy smokes. Uh, anyway, had a great time watching it. I'm going to I'm gonna miss checking in with Pierce. Uh, but we'll, we'll meet again, Pierce Brosnan. He's a good man. I feel like we'd get along. Um... So then I'm going to start the Bourne movies next week, but the the other one I watched since it's now been two weeks since I did the franchise report, uh, just as a, a palate cleanser, the, the new Aqua Teen Hunger Force direct-to-DVD movie, Plantasm. Um, hey, first off, yeah, if you like Aqua Teen, you'll like it. Just... It should be streaming on HBO Max. Just watch it there. You did not need to buy an expensive Blu-ray like I did, not realizing it would be streaming. Uh, because I, it was not worth the money I spent. Uh, that said, when they, they, they do the Venture Brothers and Metalocalypse finales in this same format, I will definitely buy those. Um, because Venture Brothers is kind of my jam, and... It'll just be cool to have all of both of those shows on physical media. And I feel like both of those are also more likely to eventually be written off by HBO Max and disappear into the ether than Aqua Teen. Um, and I have not really talked about it much, but and I don't know if I should say anything, but back in my attempts to sell a TV show, I was working with one of the creators of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Oh, maybe I shouldn't name names. I mean, nobody's going to listen to this, but uh, just to be cool. And he was he was super nice, and uh, um, it was really fun to talk to him and then nerd out about Aqua Teen stuff. Um, but it also makes me reluctant to to criticize anything Aqua Teen related because I've I've, I've spoken to somebody crucially involved with the creation of this movie 
Uh, so, but like I said, I basically liked it. I just wish I hadn't spent spent money on it, uh, given that it was free to watch on a streaming service. Uh, it, it's funny this set, you know, years after the finale of the TV show when they've all gone their separate ways, and which is also. Like, my main problem with it is it's it's sort of set up to reunite them, and they reunite so briefly, and then Frylock goes off to his own separate uh, his own separate mission. So you really don't get much of the main cast all interacting together. Uh, you do get most of your favorites from the from the original series. You get the Moonanites, you get Carl, you get uh, a lot of I mean, most of the recurring characters, you just get these brief little clips of them, but uh, you do get some some fun new characters, including uh, billionaire Neil, who is voiced by Peter Serafinowicz doing a American accent. Uh, Tim Robinson is the voice of an alien, which is super fun. Uh, the The plot is all over the place. It's easier to follow than the theatrical movie they did 15, 20 years ago now. The Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters. Um, it's, you know, I had a lot of fun watching it. There was this, uh, the jokes are good. The, <laughs> the Moon Knights have in their giant space invader ship that is completely two-dimensional. Uh, it's very funny. They also sometimes interrupt the movie to insult you for having purchased it, which did hurt a little, and to skip through scenes. Um, it's great. Check it out. If you like Aqua Teen, you'll have you'll have fun. Uh, they also on the uh, oh yeah on the Blu-ray. I went whole hog on this baby. They have a deleted scenes feature, and all of the deleted scenes, and there are maybe 20 of them are at most two lines and sometimes as little as a couple of words and after every one if you you do play all but then after every one it does the adult swim sting between them which is usually longer than the scene which again maybe two words it is incredibly obnoxious and funny but it was irritating to me at the time because you still stick with it because maybe one of these scenes is going to have a joke and it'll be worth it and it's not going to happen. It is There is one that is literally a char one character saying hi to another one that got cut from the final. It's, it's so... It's aggressively uh, uh, obnoxious. Uh, still, two thumbs up. Especially if you stream it. If you buy the Blu-ray... Uh, there'll probably be a time in the future when I'm glad I own it on physical media, but man, I got raccoon damages to deal with. I could I could have used that money. Uh, but hey, that's where we stand. That's where we stand with Marvel. That's where we stand with Pierce Brosnan and Aqua Teen. Um, next week in the, if I do the franchise report in the Christmas episode, it'll be Spider-Man Two and uh, the Born. Is the Born Identity the first one? That's a... It's... Identity... 
ultimatum supremacy legacy and then Jason Bourne? Maybe. We'll find out. Will I be able to remember? Probably not. Uh, but we will we will hit that up. I'll do a Christmas story. It'll be it'll be delightful. In the meantime, uh, check out our sponsor, teasebysummer.com. Look, it's too late to get something in time for Christmas, is my guess. I, I am not in charge of shipping, uh, but let's be realistic. But if you're going to get something as a gift, you know, you can do print out a picture of it like they did with uh, the Star Wars early bird figures in 1977. Like, hey, you're going to get this in a couple days. Enjoy. It's great. Uh, it's just all all great great stuff uh, did I talk about how I wore my, my new car ideas shirt to the Cotter O'Malley show I think I did I have no regrets um, t-shirts are not in heavy rotation right now because it's cold uh, but loving those mugs uh, I look at them every day it's, it's great it's a good gift it's get something for yourself for Pete's sake Think of yourself for a change. You're, you've worked real hard. Teasebysummer.com, the best. That's right. I, I I don't even have any... What superlatives do you need beyond that? The best. Um, also, a plug. Uh, I was on my cousin Tom's podcast, The Fool's Gold Variety Hour. Uh, I was on an episode where we... It ran sufficiently longer than an hour because... Uh, for the first time, I got to experience in person the podcast. Uh, 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 what do you the the dynamic of one host trying to keep things on the rails and well, one host and a guest just fart around. Uh, and I was part of the problem. Theoretically, we were talking about Black Adam, and there were a lot of divergences. Uh, but yeah, my my uh, cousin Tom and his friend Zach, uh, they put it out. It's very fun. Uh, it's real silly. Uh, listen to that. Um, it's it's great. It's I I lied about an animated movie. Uh, my cousin said nice things about me that I hope didn't make the final cut because I was embarrassed. Um, I talked about my TV crush in a in a, in sort of a in sort of a subtle way that made it sound like oh yeah I sort of know who that is. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on, so check that out. It is fun. Um, I cannot remember if I plugged my recent appearance on Chapter Surfing, where I talked to Lenny about Watchmen. It feels like that's the kind of thing I would mention. Um, and doing another one in the next month. Uh, will it be about another comic? Yes, it will. If you got me talking about a book, that's the kind of book you give me to talk about, baby. Um check out oh shoot i didn't i didn't tell you what the deal is with my tiktok yet but check out tiktok at ej fettis where i do incompetent movie reviews uh twitter i'm at ej fettis instagram at ej underscore fettis email fedtalks at yahoo.com hit me up uh we'll be back next week for christmas stuff and that is the episode thanks for everything I'm going to record another episode in less than 24 hours with any luck. And it'll be a guest, so you'll like it better than these. Thanks for everything. Bye. Fed Talks is a Faux Boys production. Wee, 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 wee.